Hi, I'm Melvin, and this is Love Letter Podcast. Hello, hi, how is everybody doing? I hope that this finds and meets you um, after having a great weekend. I did. Um, I was dancing in, like, essentially a backyard, which is where I would like to regularly be found, just kind of like bopping around in somebody's backyard, um, learning line dances. Uh, remember, remember me like that. But let's dive in and see what we have here. When was the last time you paused to examine some of the facets in your life? Like your relationships, your location, um, your job, any of that, any of the things that kind of are the inputs to you being satisfied or not. I think often we pause and we're taught to kind of examine where we are in relationship to goals and achievements. SWOT analysis, anyone? But we're not often equally encouraged to kind of critically examine like our lot as a whole and the amount of satisfaction or fulfillment that we feel. Um, Somehow that's mythically related for like midlife or just like later on, like not now. Like, oh, you're too young. You're just supposed to be pursuing goals and all those things. Um, But what are these goals and aims ultimately for? Like, yes, we want to have them. We want to achieve a lot of stuff. But ultimately, we're aiming at these goals to satisfy a specific feeling. The joy of being in your ideal career or to have completed a creative project. The feeling of people appreciating what you've done for them. The satisfaction that comes from being considered the best and having the top spot. However, humans are so sophisticated that we don't need to go through a 30-year career be a famous fashion designer, or have a perfect family to feel that satisfaction that we're ultimately working to receive or to, to experience. And I get the questions that, that typically arise. If I let go of my corporate career, who will I be? What will I have? If I'm not the strong friend, then who will be? If I don't coddle the adults in my life who refuse to change, what relationships will I have? But if you continue having and fighting for these things that no longer fit you, you will never actually be the you that you think you're guarding. Again, I believe that being yourself is easy, typically always are. It's just some version of you trying to perform someone else's role. But remembering your lines in a global production that changes at the whim of every producer with a rocket ship is hard. Impossible even. And I get it. I get it. Capitalism creates an insane pressure and the responsibilities that we have to kind of navigate this life are kind of unavoidable but i personally didn't start seeing patterns in and start collecting any new clarity until i began looking past my real circumstances and seeing and feeling what i actually wanted to live and i'm not there yet fully so i don't want to paint that picture but just to full to finally start seeing things for what they were and say okay this fits and this doesn't took me Kind of being, I guess, slightly delusional about kind of like what was in front of me. Um, And then also Esther Hicks says all the time, you cannot get there from there. You cannot be so focused on what is not working that you can't create space to consider what could. I think what keeps most people stuck is a lack of or resistance to developing self-awareness and accountability. The self-awareness to see when we are the source or cause of a pattern that we're kind of living and repeating And when we're not, and the accountability to own previous harm, our own ignorance, and the responsibility to change or release what isn't us. But 
what if we can see these these patterns and these things that we don't actually like we keep washing rinsing and repeating the same cycles and entertaining things that we aren't enjoying and that actually hurt us like i may have said in a previous episode this likely points to an energy dynamic because your cells your brain your environment your responsibilities your community are all working together to help you keep everything that you're fighting or even just choosing to hold on to So, how might we possibly develop the ability to really see all we need to to begin rewriting our lives? I think, I don't want to oversimplify this, and we've got plenty of stuff to cover, but we cultivate more curiosity in our lives. So, in this episode titled, Sign Curiosity, Creating Space to Remember Yourself, we will be covering how we create space within ourselves and our lives to allow who we are or would most enjoy being to emerge. So let's dive in and see what we have. In the last post statement episode, I provided around 20 ish questions to begin reconnecting with like your childhood interests. But I want us to adopt that questioning process for our entire lives. Always considering something in its trueness or rather its helpfulness, that's probably a better um, guide to us before simply just putting it on. And so for this week, and I, I mean that for everything. So for this week and the rest of our lives, honestly, truly, I want your default setting to be curious. So more acting like you were just like kind of dropped into your life and just like observing it. So I think for me, that's been like I spent a lot of time at a coffee shop and just like kind of observing the trees, the buildings, like the people kind of walking past um, and like really observing like my my surroundings. I think it's easy, especially the way that the brain is structured um, to get into an autopilot that we miss a lot of stuff in our our environments. But a note before we continue, um, and I think I said it in the last, in the, the note before proceeding, I don't want you to take too many notes. I'm, I'm sure there will be things that you may want to jot down, but I tend to live my life by this quote that says that a uh, mind stretched to new dimensions can never go back to like its old dimensions. So I think like listening and kind of made, being made aware of this stuff will like do tons of work for you. And I don't even want you to really try to remember anything. I'm more concerned about what like strikes you and kind of sticks with you as you like just go about living your life. I think that is a better indicator of what is true and what is kind of coming up for you than it is like having a notepad and like forcing yourself to remember or learn something. Because I think that once you're aware of some of these dynamics, you'll start to see them. And you're doing a lot more in the background than you realize. And you have a lot more support than you can see. Um, But we'll keep moving. Um, So I need you to be as curious about yourself as you have been about partners, your kids or nibblings, um, because the way the society seems to be spending, it appears that only the people who are most clear will navigate everything ahead of us well. And like I said, once you change your vibration or your frequency or your mood, your energy to openness and curiosity, you'll start to kind of see these things like everywhere and quickly. Um... Yeah, and I need you to, again, just try things on. If it doesn't fit, if you don't like it, so be it. So, another note before we keep going, go at your own pace. You don't need to remember or be good at any of this stuff. Like, I'm still learning and living myself. Okay, so first, creating space within ourselves. So, I mentioned that I think that most people stay stuck, in part due to a lack of self-awareness or accountability. But... How do we cultivate this self-awareness and accountability? Um, 
I'd say the three ways we can begin to start doing this is with introspection. So looking within ourselves, reflection, taking a thoughtful look backwards at the lives that we've lived thus far, and play and integration. So activities that take us out of our mind and allow all of our beta and alpha brainwave state activities to integrate with the rest of us. So how is that? Um, let's dive into each of those a little bit more. Introspection. So going within and, and, and observing ourselves. So remember, go easy and at your own pace. But I want you to live your life with one eye on your external circumstances. So the daily tasks, all of that, the minutiae, the monotony, the important, the major. But then one eye kind of like focus on your internal self. So your reactions, what you feel, especially things that make you feel like excited, make you feel disappointed. And it's like really just observing those things. I don't want you to try to be anywhere else. I don't want you to kind of like judge those things. I want you to be right where you are and to truly see it. So going back to like just like being dropped into your life and then observing what you see. And you want to kind of see and observe what resonates. Um, so where things that kind of draw out a response or make you feel good or that you agree with kind of energetically. Um, and what doesn't? So the thing they feel comfortable and the thing they're like, oh, I don't really look like that. We don't want to clean the paint spilled before we start actually cleaning the paint off of our hands. So I and probably most other people can be found often like just talking to myself and, and less talking to myself than I am kind of like talking through what kind of what's, what's happening. And so the other day I finally made sense of it. Um, I think of my thoughts as various types of, of similarly colored liquids, like let's say clear. Um, they're hard to distinguish but I can feel um, my thoughts, my emotions kind of swirling and moving me to act often in no clear direction or sometimes in many different directions. But I notice that whenever I like speak them aloud or sit to write a list or write a letter to myself, I can better distinguish which, which thoughts are water, which are like tequila, which are like McDonald's Sprite and which are like a peroxide. And then the clarity that I get from this, this process can narrow it down so that I don't give the people that I love tequila and the people that I'm trying to quote unquote party with like peroxide, um, crash example, but you, you get it. Um, and going back to the shadow work I mentioned in like the second episode, which is just the process of observing things about ourselves that we'd rather not see. One of my favorite ways to do this is to simply live life and see what I react to. <sighs> um, <clears throat> here we go. Um, so I think that we're all familiar with at least a few stereotypes of black and our queer people or anybody in general, but let's focus on like the queerness. So over the course of my life journey and, and, and finding various levels of, of acceptance, I found myself more and less activated by the loud gay on the train, the drag queen eating down at the bar, uh, the click of cute queers. But before y'all name me a hater, look at yourself. <laughs> I'm kidding. But... Really, whenever I dropped beneath the surface, I could see that in each of these cases, there was something that I either wanted to embody about the person that I was observing or when felt that I couldn't or there was a limit that I placed on myself that I felt that this individual needed to be living by. So I've learned that jealousy or longing for something is often an invitation to explore a block that just kind of like requires a little bit of vulnerability or a lot of vulnerability, depending how, how deep the the process or belief kind of goes and it may not always be a desire that you want sometimes it, it's actually injustice or something that is meant to spur action from you 
But again, the important thing here is to be curious so that we can ultimately be clear about how and why and what we're reacting to. And so here's me coming out again. Y'all gonna be so tired of me. I am a stereotypical black gay. And I'm not. No one is. People aren't what you think or observe them to be. People are often what you, at any given moment, are able to digest or to consider. So if I can't possibly envision you as more than yourself, I'm only going to see you in the boxes that I've kind of brought with me, either that I'm boxing myself in or I'm boxing you in. And this is in direct relation to how deeply we've met ourselves. And so you can't read that I essentially live by the scientific method when I'm twerking down at a day party. You can't read that I'm a romantic when I'm walking fast and maybe unintentionally have a stone face on. But before you get curious about me or anyone else or that that actual process, I just want you to be curious about yourself so we can, again, see more clearly. So when you're going about life this week and onward, I want you to observe what elicits a near immediate reaction from you be it excitement, irritation, something that you just can't let go, and just be curious about it. Be curious and just ask yourself questions because that's gonna get you a lot closer than immediately deciding, I'm responding to this in this way because of this. And per usual, jot these things down so you don't forget and then have to repeat this process. So that's introspection. Moving on to reflection, which is like looking thoughtfully back over our life journeys. Um. So I know that this isn't easy for a lot of people. I'd be lying if I said it doesn't get challenging for myself. These last few months have had me reflecting on my own life with post Saturn return eyes and seeing things differently. Not necessarily better or worse, but certainly with more gravity. So if you know there are all kinds of painful stuff that you've had to kind of traverse to get here, you don't have to go back and reflect about that stuff. Like we're thinking bird's eye view here to, to, to look at the whole journey that you've been on. So a lot of us have worked extremely hard to earn our place in this rat race, and we've excelled. And I'm extremely proud of what we created. I'm extremely proud of our pursuits. But my question, the question I'm asking myself regularly these days is, according to whose standards have we excelled? There's a scene in this show called Harlem that you've maybe seen, maybe not, um, that I'll probably never forget. Uh, In a sentence, the show follows a group of 30-something women living in New York. Hey. Um dealing with love, uh, work, and defining their identities together. Um, well, in one episode, Megan Good's character, Camille, is late for therapy, per usual, because she's she's caught up in work, she's aiming to be a tenure-track professor at Columbia, um, and so she's late for the session um, that she would have missed, like she did the previous ones. And so I'll say it another way. Camille was late to taking care of herself because the grind don't stop. Can anybody agree? And this is pertinent because she was successfully working herself into the ground for a goal that had served her entire life as a North Star. And so she arrives to therapy late. The therapist is sitting in a chair. Um, And so in what was, I think, was a 12 minute session due to her being so late. Camille is ranting about how her life is not unfolding according to her perfectly laid plan and that she felt behind and was kind of confused about where to where to go next. And I was standing in my kitchen about to pull out popcorn that was ruined by this next question, by the way. And after she vents all her frustrations about her abject failure to become a professor, her therapist asked, when did you form this master plan? And then like she like flippantly says, I don't know, like 18 years old. 
And so obviously she hadn't been in therapy in a while because set herself right on up for that alley. Um, her, she, so the therapist didn't ask her if she's somehow different from that 18-year-old version of herself who, and I'm adding this, didn't know anything, didn't have a fully formed brain, didn't know how the world worked. Um, Camille and myself were both stunned at this point. Because, of course, the, the response is, yeah, I'm different than I was when I was 18. I've had my heart broken. I've had to work jobs. I have traveled the world. I have been sculpted by my experiences into this version of myself. So, as a result, spoiler alert, <laughs> Camille ultimately drunkenly quits her job. But that's not what I'm recommending here. But I think what we can take from this, though, is that that's often what we're, like, trained and expected to do. You get a little bit of information you make a sweeping life decision before you have any agency or knowledge about how the world works. And then you're meant to stick to that plan, even in the face of new data, even in the face of obstacles, even in the face of signs that are saying, hey, you don't really like this. The Sunday scaries that that people all over the world are feeling like. I, I, like, I understand how scary it is, but it's also kind of interesting that we often and, and not everyone, but we don't just pick another similarly influential North Star to move towards, even if it may come with the hope of a better life. But I also get the pressure not to pivot or change because our environments often aren't great at supporting individual pursuits. And we're moved all around the world to acquire things and to build material comforts so that we can kind of navigate and balance the things that we don't like. So pivoting and just kind of changing isn't that easy. But how is reflection pertinent? Like, what? how is this, this internal process going to impact or influence our external circumstances? Well, according to Avad, that's Harvard, um, for the Americans in the room, um, reflection gives the brain an opportunity to pause amidst the chaos, to untangle and sort through observations and experiences, and consider multiple interpretations and create meaning. I think that's key, and create meaning. When we take the time to zoom out and see the lives we've been living, we can actually consciously choose what some of those things mean. And so those family circumstances can mean what you need them to mean to propel you forward instead of keeping you stuck. You can have that awful relationship mean that you are good at giving without expectation, but that you're also prepared to receive an equal measure. Not that you just keep finding yourself in a pattern with selfish partners. And trust, relationships will be dealt with. I learned at a conference that humans are our meaning-making machines. And whether this is intentional or not, you are making your experiences mean something. And I want you to be more purposeful in the meanings you're making in the life that you're living. So reflect and allow yourself to change day to day, moment by moment, because things are moving that quickly. And we all always hear that change is the only constant... <laughs> But then society and our families and our environments punished individuals bold enough to change. And given the unstickiness of change as a result, there is no wonder why we are sold it in all the ways that we are. So we have often allowed well-intentioned but unknowing individuals to tell us what to do with our entire lives. Like, I'm fed up with me asking kids what they want to be when they grow up. They don't know. So let's let our lives tell us and show us and invite us to what is most aligned, what, what feels good, and where we can make the biggest impact. I want so bad for you to wake up unshakable. And believe me, you have all the raw materials and all the footage to create the feature film that you watch when you daydream. 
And you should. So I need you to get in the lab and start cooking. So play. Integration. Play. <laughs> Go play. When was the last time you played a video game? Kickball. An instrument. Blue bubbles. Jump rope. When was the last time you were just childish for no reason? Now, when was the last time you streamlined something, sent an email, chased an invoice, paid a bill? Right. Play has been found by researchers to release endorphins, to improve brain functionality, and stimulate creativity. I feel like working out counts, but y'all do not be looking like y'all having fun under them barbells, so we're going to rule that out. But play, real play, keeps us energetic and young. It can improve the memory you need to send your emails and can facilitate the growth of new brain cells so you can send better emails or none at all because who cares? I remember as a kid wanting a harp, but pre-internet, they were quite difficult to come by. So a couple months ago, I got a harp and the process of being new at something and playing has brought up all types of stuff around perfectionism, being visible because it's a harp and I like playing outside. And having a hobby that's not tied to objectives. So convincing myself to go to the go to the park and play when there are to-do list items is sometimes quite challenging. But I remind myself of all the stuff that I keep saying to y'all. Um, I've noticed, though, that I can be stuck in a, a brain loop, have a creative block, and I'll go and play for a bit or strum for a bit and kind of pluck around because like, I'm still learning it. And I'll like lose track of time, so that means I'm like dropping into flow. And then I'll notice that I'll kind of come up with clear energy and less stuckness in anything. It's like my own little personal sound bath. Additionally, going back to our initial discussion on brain waves, the alpha brainwave state, like I, like I mentioned, is associated with like allowing and re- relaxation, kind of chilling out. Beta is associated with busyness and daily tasks, like you being at work. Um, and the theta brainwave state, which is probably more closely what you kind of fall into when you're playing an instrument. Um, and I think you do because I, I read that research is associated with the um, hypnotic state and being imaginative and suggestible. So it's in this state of subconscious receptivity where our systems can integrate all the affirmations, all the love letters, all the positive thinking and even the work that you've been doing in your business. And so another point here, I know that a lot of us are saying our affirmations, we're buying planners, we're setting intentions, starting over etc etc but the harvest won't yield if we keep tilling the soil and what i mean by that is not to stop but to including your process kind of figuratively being away from the farm the soil the work you feel you need to be doing let the work work in the background and then observe and watch what kind of comes forth and so meditation also falls under the same category like play and integration I've always felt resistant to regular meditation because why aren't the results like immediate? They are. <laughs> but when you meditate, you can hear everything that is pressing you. Like when you slow down and pause and don't intentionally think, then you can see what you keep thinking about unintentionally. <laughs> the distraction in my meditations when I observe them non-judgmentally show me what's really bothering me and where I'm feeling most powerless. Then, to the best of my ability... And I think most people that who meditate regularly will say will try to detach from those feelings and then go about my day with a little bit more lightness and ease. Now I'm doing this every day and I would be lying if I said that I don't appreciate the stillness 
um, and the lack of having to think amidst everything going on. Plus, I've noticed that I leave meditations feeling more like myself, which is to say more turns at 7 a.m. So imagine working or living with one half of race rumor. <laughs> but these three tools, introspection, looking within, reflection, taking a, a curious look backwards and play, allowing all of that to kind of come together beneath our awareness are the tools I want us to use to create space within ourselves to emerge as ourselves. And the funny thing about it is it's, it's kind of oxymoronic. Um, getting to an easier life can be like climbing a cloudy mountain. You don't know if all this hard work is worth it. You don't know if you're close to the top or not, but you are not alone. And I think we're, we're often, I don't want to say brainwashed because that's so loaded, but convinced that we're doing this stuff alone and that we're having struggles that no one else has ever had before and certainly not currently having. But if you figuratively look left and right, you have peers on the same mountain and we're climbing this thing together. We just haven't linked up in the ways that would be most helpful for us to all ascend. So look within, glance backwards curiously and gently, and play. That's it. Now, let's talk creating space in your life for you. While we are creating space within ourselves, it is also important that we attend to our lives so we don't regress back into old patterns just as fast as we recognize them. In the field of learning and development, there's a critical concept called transfer of training. And so transfer of training is the applicability of learning or training content once you're back in a job or a role. So if you go to a training for anything in your life or for work and you can immediately apply it, this means that that learning is highly transferable. So the context that you learn it in, the context you apply it in, apply it in are similar enough or the, the content is, is applicable enough that it's, it's, there's no interference. But if you leave anything asking, now what do I do with this? Low transfer. And so how is this pertinent? What does that mean? Well, when we learn something, if our environment, so that's the look and feel, our managers, our partners, our friends, our communities, don't support this change or they're not aware of it, it is going to be a lot more difficult to apply it. So for this journey to be effective, you're going to want to ensure that your environment is supportive of your exploration or at least aware of it. The two areas I want to focus on here, though, are our social and our physical environments. I'm defining our social environment as all the places and spaces, both physical and non-physical, where we exchange ideas, energy, and conditioning. That's a pretty big environment, isn't it? And so I'm talking text messages, your job, your relationships, all of it. Now, we won't be able to control or immediately change all of these, for example, our, our jobs, um, the structure of our relationships, but we want to bring a little bit more awareness to them so we can be a little bit more successful. Given that we are all, in a way, like fish swimming in society's programming and marketing, it is difficult, one, to see all the ways we are subject to, coerced into believing, and all the ways we live lives that we don't fully love. And two, to be aware of all the ways in which we are re-recruited by the people we love and who love us into staying the same. I know, that's a lot. But it's, it's difficult for us to escape an environment that is no longer helpful or healthy for us if the people that we love are hooked into and are keeping us hooked into that same environment. 
I feel that since society is always changing and not always for a purpose and giving ourselves permission is so hard, we place outside of ourselves a sense of safety. It's common and often unconscious, but we will often depend on others to provide a sense of grounding or safety when things kind of get out of hand. And not all the time, but often more than is personally empowering. So when people or circumstances change or seek to, it can feel destabilizing if we don't have our own sense of safety. Therefore, the people around you may or may not be supportive of you doing or being anything different than what you've consciously agreed to in that relationship. And so the dynamic could be give or taker, feeler, non-feeler, the planner and the participant, the good kid and the expectant parent. And they might even have a dramatic reaction to, I don't know, you not liking reality TV anymore. And, and it's just your responsibility to respond accordingly. And that could be a boundary. That could be a conversation, a modified or even ended relationship. But stay the course anyway. Because there's a version of you that you may not have met yet that is worth the challenge. And maybe as a result, you model for your community the clarity and ease that we're all striving for. That we're all grinding for, hustling for. But I don't think that we want as much as we get from other people. I think that we're just unfamiliar with our own power and fullness. And I think that's by design. I think it's easier to market to people who are unsure of themselves. Okay, so what do we do? Uh, I think first let's talk social environments. So let's talk media inputs. (sighs) Television. So I'm not going to beat any of us up here, but what we watch matters. And given the streaming wars, we are being bombarded with things to watch. And I've noticed that I don't want to watch a lot of programming because the, we'll call it vibrational set point is so low. And I don't mean that to sound so spooky. But what I mean by that is if I want a relationship, especially being black and gay, all this programming about all genders being trash and struggle and lack are illustration of real things in real lives. But I don't want to use my imagination and suspend disbelief to watch for an hour a dramatized version of the roadblocks that we run into. (laughs) I'll just go on one of my apps. Art is meant to inspire and move you to feel, to think, or to act. So it's up to us to identify in what direction we want to feel and what vibration we want to meet so we can have the things that we want. And then we consume more art that pushes us in that direction. So I'm not saying turn off whatever, but I'm saying make sure that you are choosing something that gives you some template for the stuff that you actually want to have. And I personally don't love the cold turkey approach because baby steps are still steps. And so I'm not immediately saying to turn anything off. I don't even think I'm ultimately making that point. I'm just saying to be curious and you cannot get there from there. So if we're watching things that make us sad or, or remind us of old pain, we're not going to get to new joy that way. But we can also use the same mechanism to lazily help us create new lives. And that could look like creating a YouTube playlist of the things that you actually want to experience or see in your life. For example, I mentioned a G-Wagon in one or a couple of these episodes. And side note, given the state of the world and everything that's happening, I'm not that pressed. 
the world needs more love, not machines. But anyway, it and that's an easy example. But it's hard to envision a G wagon if I've never seen inside one. So a YouTube playlist of G wagons is probably a little little bit more helpful for me to see where I want to go ultimately than it is just like kind of tossing that out there. I think music is similar, but the point that I'd make there is that uh, there are certain songs that it music just transports you. And so there are certain songs that just take me to various points in my life. And so I have the practice now of creating what I'll call like a sunny day playlist. And like when things are just going swimmingly, listening to that playlist. And then I'm creating a psychological association with that playlist. And then when I lose sight of myself or forget what's going on or lose direction, I'll tap this playlist just to reconnect to a lighter and a more powerful version of myself. And so, whereas a lot of people and programs and and institutions will say, you can't do this, don't do this, that's terrible, that's going to bring you down, let's just use the thing that we have at our disposal to help us. One of these things is social media. I was looking at my Instagram a couple days ago, and I think I clocked, and I think it's still the same, you can do this yourself, I think I clocked two ads for every two to three posts. So I'm only seeing half of the content I signed up for and I keep seeing posts from accounts I muted popping up. So these platforms are providing us an illusion of control to sell us some stuff that we don't want or need. Two stars. So my first bit would be to clean up, to mute, unfollow, things that don't make you feel good. That's the only criterion. It's if it does not make you feel good. If you have a friend that reposts violent stuff all the time, mute them. Especially if you have a real relationship offline. But we allow a lot of intrusions on our energy based on, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Or I need to save that for later. Sculpt your social inputs in a way that condition you into being the person that you intentionally envision being. But, as I mentioned... These socials are still going to say, I know you blocked, muted, and favorited so you could own your timeline, but we know what you really need because you were talking about it and we heard it through your phone. So more breaks. More breaks from just being on the internet, from, from being neck deep in email, and fill those breaks with something playful. I think often we'll say, we'll take a break and we'll just like sit on the couch and watch television because it's right there. It's easy. But, like, plan a break and say, okay, for this amount of time that's coming up in a week, I'll do these things. It's hard to quit something if you don't then put that freed-up energy somewhere else. Then you feel angsty and frustrated and like, well, what did I do that for? Because it, it, it was satisfying me. But it was a low-grade satisfaction whenever there's there are hobbies that you haven't tapped in that will make you really, really full. And remember, we are extremely practiced at being this version of ourselves. Email and work communication. Woof. So, in my career, I've noticed that most people don't regulate their relationship with work or email. And so, I don't want to spend too much time here since we're already pushing it. But, and I can't say too much because I'm a Capricorn and I've been in my fair share of clubs checking email because, like, maybe something good came in in the middle of the night. But identify how frequently you need to check and engage with email. And to the best of your ability, put parameters around this and similar forms of engagement. Because people aren't often being concerned about how 
their communication patterns or how their their engagement or how they're them asserting themselves in somebody else's energy kind of affects them. So we have to be the ones that kind of determine what our relationship with these things are like. I remember whenever I took my first real break from social media, I remember jokingly saying, Woo, I feel like I can finally think my own thoughts. And I don't think that that's an exaggeration. I think that we are so regularly accessing so much on the internet that it's difficult to to kind of have thoughts from the quiet parts of ourselves. Hence the play and the meditation and all that stuff. And I think the email is just the same. And so, of course, have conversation with the party that you need to work, friends, with text messages, that whole thing. Because there's nothing worse than the people just, like, disappearing. Um, and then coming back, like, hey, I'm back. Um, but more curiosity and more intention. Our relationships. So, first, our relationship with ourselves. Because this is the starting point. Like, we get up in the morning, we're first with ourselves. Uh, one of the reasons why people recommend meditation is because it's one of the few times that we can actually monitor our thoughts or that we're actually actively allowing ourselves to monitor our thoughts. Our minds, in most cases, are like a radio. It's always running and always offering us stuff and always making meaning. And a ton of it is not helpful. <laughs> because like we just mentioned, a ton of that stuff is not even ours. <laughs> So be it meditation, be be it journaling, saying out loud the thoughts that you're having, assess the quality of your thoughts to determine if they are helping or hurting your forward movement or your inward movement. I don't necessarily need you to change it because the changing that takes time and a whole bunch of other stuff that we'll discuss. But just be curious like, oh, wow, I am a little bit hard on myself. Oh, wow. I am always kind of being critical of this type of person. Or, oh, wow, like this thing just kind of like always pops up around this time. Just add some curiosity to it. There is no judgment for not judging the things that you observe. (sighs) Intimate partnerships. Well, (laughs) that's our time. (laughs) I'm kidding. These are extremely important, and we will talk about these much more in depth later. But so much mirroring and support or not happens here. And by society's design, we are taught that we can't be fully complete by ourselves. And we certainly won't be supported if we don't contribute to the domestic supply of infants. And remember, love conquers all. Not vulnerability, not tough conversations, accountability, nada, none of that, none of it. You just partner up and then you are doing your job for society. I've noticed that I've had more tough and intimate conversations than relationships of every kind post-religion. So even religious people are often just pairing off because it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Not because you're finding people that can actually move you forward and can offer you support and hold space for you whenever you're, you're kind of falling apart and coming back together. For example, how many women and femmes do you see having their dreams supported and encouraged in these configurations? It's Tommy this, Green Power Ranger that, when we all know that Kimberly was the real bad So if you are endeavoring to do the self-exploration I am inviting you to, have a conversation with your partner that says, hey, I want to get to know myself a little better or differently, and then invite them to share things that they observe about you. 
Being considerate, though, of everything that we just mentioned and went over of how people can help you stay stuck. Don't hold it, take it personally and hold it against them, but you do need to take it and then do something with it. Because I can hear it now. It don't even take all of that. You're fine. Stuck. The key here is how they support, how they're questioning, how they're mirroring, how it makes you feel. Our bodies are a lot more intelligent than, than we know and that we can even really put in research or words. And so if someone's support, if their questions, if they're anything that they offer you feels like a contraction or tightening inside when they are supporting you or in anything, just take that as a clue. You can take that as a no. You can take that as a mm, that don't really feel comfortable. But if their support helps you feel like you're expanding, like you're flying, like you're safe, keep going. You can trust that that guidance, that can be some level of guidance outside of you to help you get back to yourself. Because it's internal, but we are always in conversation and in cooperation with our environments. Which is why it's so important to make sure the environment is kind of supporting us, us meeting ourselves more deeply. Our friend groups, it's similar here. Invite your friends on the journey. I can guarantee you, because I watch it, I see it on social media, I've I've seen it in conversations, I've had conversations with friends that I thought I knew exceptionally well, and it's like, oh wow, there are just whole parts of you that I didn't know that I'm enjoying kind of getting to know. So a lot of us have interests that may be similar or different that we might not think that other people are interested in that they would absolutely like to hear and kind of know about. And so ask them the questions from P.S. You already know the way. And experience deeper, more curious and open relationships. There is no way that we're going to navigate these times without relationships that have more depth. It's just not going to happen. I just can't see two and a half years of a pandemic and then us going back to surface level relationships. If and you know this, your friend group keeps you in a cycle that leaves you drained and depleted, be it from spending, from gossiping, from not reciprocating the care that you exhibit. Maybe limit your exposure, and we'll talk about friendships and relationships in a few weeks. Nothing drastic, but I just need you to be curious and acknowledge it to yourself. Like, okay, these things are a little draining. Okay, I could be filled up a little bit more here. But it's like making sure that we're observing and being curious about our environments. Families, the source of most of our primary conditioning. If you can observe it in your family so you can see someone else's struggle, you can see someone repeating the same cycle that makes you mad, you probably sampled it or it's firmly situated in your subconscious. Because as humans, we we often only are able to recognize that which we have some experience with or that we have some resonance with. And so a quick way to check, and we'll talk about that more later and, and on and on. But a quick way to check is if something in your family or your friend circle, if something that somebody does like really pisses you off, it really gets you worked up. And I don't mean them like doing something to you, like like them repeating a pattern or them calling you about the same thing. Um, the energetic charge that these things bring up are highlighting some level of correspondence in you. There's some hook in there that you may not have addressed yet. And it may not be the same as like you have the same pattern that they do. There may be something beneath the surface that you're just not aware of yet. And we don't have to like speak to like what all the things could be, but just observe it, be curious about it, and then just take it as data. It's just like, oh, okay. All right. So I don't feel that this is comprehensive, 
but we'll get there and we'll leave this here. But right now, again, I've probably said this like a thousand times. I just want you curious. And so I think we're wrapping up. Um, and then your physical environment. So we did the social environment and now the physical environment. And so I left my job in the first phase of my career in May. Um, less because I don't like working. It's not my, oh, I hate it. I'll quit. Then it was, I like working more quickly and on things that matter and typically get used. And I can't say that a lot of these things are really about what we're saying that they're about. But more on that later, maybe. Not to sound too spooky, though. But in this process, I've felt led, be it by my own intuition or the designer of this life thing. But I spent a lot of time post-resignation and resources on designing my space. Not looking for another draining job, not on a business or even this podcast offering, but on designing a physical space that not only made doing the work for me easy, but also reminded me of who I am whenever I forgot or got back home from trips. Thus, my apartment looks like a composite of a creative workspace, a religious goods shop, and a library. But now when inspiration strikes or the energy in my apartment starts to feel stale or stuck, I'm ready. And so in a manner of speaking, I've tilled the soil, I've set up my water pails and planted seeds, and now it is wise for me to pray for the rain. Sorry, that got a little religious. I told y'all I was still very close to that well. There's so much that I want to say here, but I think the main takeaway is to consider who you want to be, how you want to work, and how you typically or frequently receive inspiration, and be curious enough to ask if your environment is currently supportive of that. And like a next step is like to the degree possible, sculpting and crafting your car, your your home space, your workspace to the degree possible to fit the you that you daydream of being to fit you whenever you're in a creative state. And so this may mean for our purposes, putting a voice recorder or a notepad in your car or making lighting incense a part of your morning or evening routine or aromatherapy, maybe taking weekly creativity baths, working in part of the office for stretches of time where you won't be distracted or see the motion of everyone that you work with. Like what small tweaks can I regularly make that will make me being me easier? But be curious about how your magic works and encourage and support it and stoke it. If the designer of this universe has one match left and you have no candle or torch prepared to receive and carry that fire, don't ask for it. So prepare yourself, your space, your life, then energetically by slowing down and creating space to try something new, request the inspiration that will birth newness within you. And this inspiration may be as small as I just want to volunteer my time. Like, don't discount these because a small spark can still burn big if the conditions are correct. But only you can find and chart the path back to your essential self. Your easiest and most aligned life. And I'm going to show you how even in all the noise, you are picking up clues and signs for your path. And I'm defining noise as all the interference that we're subjected to that distracts us intentionally or not from what is true for us. You are so much more than you can currently see. And you've got so much that you are capable of doing. And it's past time that you realize that first for yourself and then your communities, because we have to do this stuff together. 
Ooh, I think that's plenty, don't you? <laughs> Let's wrap this up. So this week, or whenever you're listening to this, I want you to take some time off in the future to be curious. Just observe things, see what comes up, get excited. Yes, I'm like, ooh, I got a great idea. But you don't have to rush into anything. It's not going to leave you. Um, it was eerie to see drafts of, of this podcast idea from like 2019 to 2020 and how, how it was almost the same as what I wrote in 2022. But the main thing is to just be curious and to be gentle with yourself during this process. But to help us to see what's bubbling up from beneath the surface, what is ready to kind of be observed this week as a writing assignment. I hate that language, but whatever. Um, I want you to take a pen to paper or a, a voice recorder, and I want you to just start writing or ranting. Like, don't stop yourself. Don't judge yourself. Just be curious. Like, ooh, I wonder what's going to happen next. And so then this way we can start to distinguish between what is water, what is tequila, what is Sprite, and what is peroxide. And then you can also begin to support this journey of figuring out, like, what's happening beneath the surface for you. So how's that? Is that, is that good? Like, did we do it? Um, at any rate, thank you so much for being here, especially if you made it to the end. Um, I tell people all the time, I often use a lot of words, but I mean every single one of them bad boy. In next week's post statement episode, we'll be going over a couple metaphysical tools that we can use to help us zoom out or reframe hey, saying, our entire lives before we get into attachment theory, family systems, community building, all of that stuff. I want you to own your entire self, including the cosmic you. And with that, I love y'all and I'll talk to y'all next time.